one large company that's in the e-commerce space had a massive unforeseen dividend and a bunch of the employees had exercised their options and become shareholders. They participated in that dividend because they were shareholders. The others hadn't. And so you had a real have and have not. But ultimately, I think there are people who we've seen after share ownership programs where people have left the company. And the question is, are they leaving at a higher pace or is that attrition good attrition? Meaning that the company can now add a new person into that role who really wants to be working there. From ShareWorks by Morgan Stanley, this is Thriving Globally with Equity, a podcast following companies as they break into global markets. I'm Mercy Lee Bell, and on today's episode, we're talking to Jeffrey Lesage, founding partner at Liquidstock. Jeffrey is a self-confessed, recovering attorney. He spent 15 years at international law firm Gibson, Dunn & Crutcher, practicing venture capital, mergers and acquisitions, and securities law. His role gave him unparalleled access into the world's fastest-growing companies. He learned the mechanics of VC and the motions of venture-backed growth. He discovered how the key players moved and personally played a key role in numerous successful deals. But not everything he saw was good. I lived through watching both the rise of the dot-com and the burst of the bubble. I was in a room with an IPO that was pricing, and the team was overnight going to be worth $150 million, 75 and 50 the next day, and the market fell out. That experience stuck with him. It felt unfair to him that the team was left with nothing, despite their years of hard work and dedication. If they'd had access to pre-IPO liquidity, things could have been different. It would take years for things to change in the equity landscape. But eventually, the market crept forward. The rise of the secondary market through really one company, which is a a well-known company that is a large social networking business that everyone would recognize, that led to the first secondary trading. That's sort of in the 2005 to 2013 period. That's really the first time where companies started to make the decision, okay, we'll allow secondary trading. And what was happening during that time period is employees primarily, but also early investors were selling their shares into the secondary market. The secondary market didn't really have the same technological advancements that we have today. And so there was a lot without transparency in the market there was a wide spread between market pricing. So you had an inefficient market, and then you had people taking advantage of that market. The combination of that, together with how many shareholders then became on the cap table of the companies, led to issues on both sides. The issues for the company led to issues for the employees who were being taken advantage of. Jeffrey calls this the Wild West era. While it seemed like progress, the change was remarkably short-lived. After the social networking company's IPO, there was a harsh reaction from employers. A handful of technology companies consolidated power and put the squeeze on their workforce. They locked employees down, refusing to re-up their stock options plans and instituted transfer restrictions on existing options. Other companies followed their lead, rolling out equally harsh employee equity programs. Fittingly enough, Jeffrey calls this era the dark ages for stock options. 
But here's the thing. The executives behind these programs believed they were making the right choice. They thought these plans were beneficial, both for the company and the employee. That general term that people hear about as the golden handcuffs, that became in that time period as a lawyer advising companies, oh yeah, you want to make sure you keep your employees where they are. Don't allow them to exercise their options, let alone sell their shares. And so the mentality during that time period was really centered around, okay, let's make sure we don't run into all these problems. As I heard it coined a few times, let's protect our employees from the vultures, who primarily brokers, but more broadly, the secondary market. And let's make sure that we keep a control on all of that. That, in concept, made sense. The problem was that companies started to stay private for so long. And that led to morale issues, problems for employees from a tax perspective, problems for the company from plans that people were running into expiring plans. And then how do you deal with that? Those led to massive accounting charges, which is something that I think a lot of people don't really understand. Even lawyers who are advising the companies don't understand the magnitude of those challenges. Right around this time, Jeffrey left Gibson, Dunn & Crutcher. He founded Envisage Partners, a private equity firm focused on the middle market. While working with his portfolio companies, he noticed a shift in the equity conversation. Executives realized that forcing people to stay with a company wasn't good for morale. Disgruntled employees hurt performance and innovation, dragging down overall growth rates. In other words, their Dark Ages equity plans had exactly the opposite effect of what was intended. He calls this period the awakening. And one company in particular typifies this change. A well-known payments company broke from the herd, introducing annual tender offers for liquidity. Better yet, they even allowed employees to exercise at the previous round price. Now you're seeing companies led by this thought that we've coined an employee-first culture. But you got to take care of the people. You can't just forget them, tie them down, and assume that they're going to be contributors to your company. The problem with all that, though, is they still aren't doing it in a tax-efficient manner, and they're making their employees sell. And so even though they had the right idea at the time, there's inefficiency and disalignment between the employees and the company when you turn your employees into sellers of your shares. Much to everyone's surprise, the new plans didn't lead to a spike in employee turnover either. And so what we've seen anecdotally is that retention has really remained pretty consistent. It hasn't impacted it one way or another, but morale has increased. And then the question on the back of that is, okay, if morale has increased, will that also impact company performance? And that's the part where you really need a crystal ball. I think history and looking at how ESOPs, employee-owned companies, have performed as compared to non-employee-owned companies. I think those will be a guiding force. Which brings us to the last of Jeffrey's named eras, the Renaissance. Executives understand why the old plans failed. They hurt morale, cut engagement, and hurt growth. And they know what they have to do now, allow employees to liquidate their options. But they're struggling with the how. That's where Jeffrey's current venture comes in. Liquidstock helps employees at pre-IPO companies unlock value tied up in options by advancing the money to buy shares and pay taxes. 
When he first saw the liquid stock prototype, Jeffrey recalls being blown away. It's the first product that's designed thinking about the perspective of the employee or shareholder as opposed to the investor. Because at core, there's really three parties at the table. For the pre-IPO table, there's the government, there's the employee, and there's the investor. And the pie is going to get split up in some fashion between the three of them. And now you have a bunch of different companies who have taken that product and gone to market with essentially the same type of product with some variations. That will be an interesting evolution to watch because it optimizes the position for not only the employee, but also the company, because you're not forcing the employee into selling their position. But getting there isn't going to be easy. Most employees don't understand their equity program, and fewer still understand the value in a product like liquid stock. We're clearly in an education phase right now where we're educating the market on a new way to think about this. Think that what we view as plain vanilla of a life cycle of a company today will include some form of share ownership program that is either in advance of tender offers or in combination of tender offers. Ideally, companies are doing it 12 months before they start thinking about giving employees liquidity. And so over time, I think you're going to see companies very methodically just add this into their toolkit. But ultimately, the tender offer of the future will have education as a core component. Because I think employees today, it's amazing how few people really understand the combination of how the options work, how taxes impact that, and then how to maximize and think about their own position. So starting with that education and transparency, which I think technology provides in a new way today, I think that companies will give employees the option. You can sell your shares, which is a traditional tender, or we can help you buy your shares, buy your position. You've been listening to Jeffrey Lesage, founding partner at Liquid Stock. Like many great entrepreneurs, Jeffrey is fixing a problem he's experienced firsthand. As a partner at Gibson, Dunn & Crutcher and founder of Envisage Partners, he's seen the damaging effects of bad employee equity plans on employees, teams, and businesses. Through Liquid Stock, he's leading the renaissance and helping people take the step from option holder to shareholder. He says the impact is immense. As co-owners, employees become more aligned to the company mission. They're happier and more engaged, and they can reap the benefits of dividends because they're no longer an employee with a stock option. They're a shareholder, complete with all the rights it brings. Thanks for joining us. To learn more, check out share.work podcast. You'll find other episodes of Thriving Globally with Equity, along with deep dive articles on each story. Thriving Globally with Equity is a production from ShareWorks by Morgan Stanley. Writing by David Valens from Campfire Labs, narrated by Mercy Lee Bell, with additional production and editing by StudioPod Media. This publication is for informational purposes only. The authors are neither employees of nor affiliated with Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC, Morgan Stanley.
Morgan Stanley is not implying an affiliation, sponsorship, endorsement, approval, investigation, verification, or monitoring of any information contained in the publication. In no event shall Morgan Stanley be responsible for the information contained on any third-party website or your use of or inability to use such site. You should also be aware of the terms and conditions of the third-party website and the site's privacy policy. The opinions expressed by the authors are solely their own and do not necessarily reflect those of Morgan Stanley. The information and data in the article or publication may be deemed reliable, however, their accuracy and completeness is not guaranteed by Morgan Stanley, and providing you with this information is not to be considered a solicitation on our part with respect to the purchase or sale of any securities, investments, strategies, or products that may be mentioned. In addition, the information and data used in the publication or article are as of the date of the article when it was written and are subject to change without notice. ShareWorks by Morgan Stanley, Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC, and its affiliates and employees do not provide legal or tax advice. You should always consult with and rely on your own legal and or tax advisors. ShareWorks by Morgan Stanley Services are provided by Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC, member SIPC and its affiliates, all wholly owned subsidiaries of Morgan Stanley. CRC 3713423-8-21.